بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم نحمده ونصلي على رسوله الكريم أما بعد الحمد لله tonight is the 28th of february in the year 2023 and i mentioned a few blessed reports last night with regards to the blessed quran and the glorious salat al nabi so to mention a few other things with regards to the glorious quran in a hadith in dear nabi Mazari Ihaq number 4818 Sayyidina Anas radiyallahu he relates that our beloved messenger said sallallahu alayhi wa inna al-ghina wal lahwu yambutan nifaqa kama yambutul ma'ul ahas ashba verily songs i accompanied with musical instruments and unlawful amusement both produce hypocrisy just as water produces greenery walladhi nafsu muhammadin biyadihi by him who holds the soul of muhammad in his hand sallallahu alaihi wasallam inna alquran wa dhikra yambutan aliman fi alqalbi kama yambutul ma'ul ashb verily the quran and dhikr grow iman in the heart just as the water grows greenery So here in this most informative report, the Prophet ﷺ mentioned one devastating thing and the other life-giving thing. And what causes devastation? Because it turns you into a monafik. So what's interesting? The Prophet didn't say kufr. He said the worst type of kufr. Both produce hypocrisy. How quickly? just as water produces greenery so how quick does water produce greenery if it rains ghina wallah ghina is songs ai which are usually accompanied by musical instruments and lah ai useless amusement because this produces hypocrisy But then the Prophet swore an oath sallallahu alayhi wasallam by him who holds the soul of Muhammad in his hand sallallahu alayhi wasallam the Quran and dhikr grow iman in the heart just as water grows green so the counterpart is the Quran and dhikr so now what's the disaster if a person is reciting the Quran and doing the dhikr at least somewhat the damage is limited if he listens to unlawful you know songs and useless entertainment mm. but what if he's not reciting the quran or doing dhikr mm. that means he's totally defenseless mm. what did you expect of the one who greatly indulges in both songs and amusements whilst at the same time greatly neglecting the quran and glorious dhikr mm. how simple are the formulas for strengthening one's iman which many think is a most difficult matter so think about that a person says my iman is weak so you say well where do you want to start with and he goes well give me a starting point and he goes right are you listening to music because yes because that's going to destroy you and he goes okay then you're reciting the quran not really that is what gives life 
what about the dhikr of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala don't do it so this is why it's so important for us to be getting these glorious deeds into our lives and also what did the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam say he said when music when female singers and musical instruments and intoxicants become common you will be afflicted with earthquakes <laughs> So this is the hadith in Tirmidhi to the nearest meaning. So earthquakes are increasing. This is one of the signs of Qiyamah. What is the cause of earthquakes? Three sins. Female singers, musical instruments and drugs. So now isn't the Muslim world infested with this? So why are we finding it strange when earthquakes strike? We shouldn't find it strange in the least. In the glorious history, Were there many earthquakes? You go back to the time of the Sahaba. Where were the earthquakes? Same earth. Right? You know, you hear it, you know, because a little rumble took place. And then Umar radiallahu got his staff smashed it on the earth. He goes, why are you rumbling? Is there injustice on you? And he stopped. Right? That's as much as you got. Now, you know, imagine, you know, forget about every other week. Sometimes it occurs two or three times in a day. right so we should be well alerted to why that is taking place but like i mentioned when earthquakes do strike it is nothing but mercy so what triggers it are sins but allah taala unleashes the earthquakes to purify and the hadith says because there's nothing else to purify the muslims so allah taala does this or to raise their rank to which they can't achieve to their own deeds So the ones you should feel pity for the living the dead they've been purified <coughs> and of course that's only with regards to the believers the non muslims obviously it's a disaster mm. so note the quran and dhikr produces iman just as water grows greenery now what's interesting it not only has a profound effect upon your iman it has a similar effect upon your health In Bayhaqi in his Sunan al-Kubra 9-345 Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiyallahu he said Fil Quran shifaan the Quran contains two healers Al-Quran wal asl the Quran and huni Al-Quran shifaan lima fi sudur the Quran cures the diseases of the heart wal asl shifaan min kulli da whilst honey remedies all other diseases so the great abdullah ibn masud radiyallahu he said the quran contains shifaan two healers so what are the two healers of the quran he explained the quran itself and honey because honey is mentioned in the quran then he said radiyallahu the quran cures the diseases of the heart So that means sudur means the the internal heart, and the honey remedies min kulli da every other disease because honey has an impact upon it. And similarly, Abdullah ibn Masud also said, "Radiyallahu, cure is only in two things: honey as a cure for mankind, and the Quran as a cure for what is in the breasts." This is in Tabrani in his Kabir. And Sheikh Al-Bani authenticates it in As-Sahihah, number 1633. So the only cure mentioned in the Quran, clearly, explicitly, is honey. So that's what's interesting. 
if you want to know what's the strongest medicine in our literature, it's honey, it's qati. It's a mutawatir text. There's no doubt about honey being a shafa because the Quran mentions it. So now having said that, do Muslims have honey in their dwellings? Think about that. Allah the Almighty and Glorious doesn't mention 10 shafas in the Quran. Doesn't mention 8, doesn't mention 5, mentions 1. So you would expect every Muslim to have huni. Why haven't you got huni? Think about that. And yet, if a sheikh or peer prescribes something, you fill your lot with it. So straight away you think, brother, I think there's a misbalance. You know, Allah the last telling you something, you're ignoring that. And when a human being, sperm drop tells you something, you're filling your lot with it. So what's that telling you? We're not taking what Allah has given you. Kati. The great Ibn Mas'ud was elaborating upon the Prophet's words. What did he say? Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Alikum bishifa'in al-Qur'ani wal-Asr. You must use the two healers. The Qur'an and Huni. This is in the Barani in his Kabir, number 9076. Hakim in his Mustadrak, number 7437. Sahih to the criteria of Muslim. Behaki in his Shu'ab al-Iman, number 2581. Ibn Abi Shayba in his Al-Musannaf, number 23,689, number 30,019. So this is a command. The Prophet said, You must use the two heels. So think about that. Quran is mentioning a shafa. The Prophet saying, You must. Are we using these two shafas? As soon as you get an illness, is the first thing you turn to the Quran. Mm-hmm. Or is it paracetamol? Mm-hmm. As soon as you get an illness, do you turn to Huni? Mm-hmm. Or is one of those things that you think, well, I'll turn to when I've got time. Mm-hmm. The Prophet goes, you must use the two healers. Mm-hmm. How sad it is that Huni is the only medicine which is explicitly mentioned in the Quran. And then coupled with Rasulullah's command, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Yet still Muslims do not regularly have a jar of honey in their dwelling. Mm. So now what's interesting, Allah Ta'ala mentions the best honey. Mm. He says, he inspires the bees, he goes, make your dwellings in the mountains. And what is the best honey is from that part where they uh, have their hive and that is in the mountain. And what do you find near mountains? Low trees. Mm. Siddhar. And the huni of the siddhar is the best. It's almost black in color. Allah the Almighty and Glorious says in Surah An-Nahad, Surah 16, verse 69. From within their bellies, you derive a drink of various color, wherein is a healing for mankind. What's interesting, Allah is the creator of everything. And what has he said is a healing for you? Who knows mankind better than the creator? Think about that. If somebody goes to you, I know this world-renowned physiologist. I know this world-renowned optician. Are you going to go to anybody else after he tells you about his advice on, on his specialist subject? And yet, when the Lord of all the worlds tells you about Huni, we take it seriously. He created you. So the Huni, he goes, it's a healing. It's a healing for mankind. 
In addition, yes, the great Ibn Mas'ud mentioned that the Quran primarily cures the ailments of the heart. But this does not mean at all. It has no impact upon physical ailments. So some people make a mistake because the Quran cures spiritual illnesses and the Huni cures physical illnesses. That's true. But it's not completely true. They both overlap. For instance, in Behaki in Shu'ab al Iman, number 2508, Sayyidina Wathila ibn al he said, A person complained to Rasulullah about his throat, which was troubling him. The Prophet said, Make the recitation of the Quran incumbent upon you, I upon which your throat, the trouble of your throat will disappear. So now what's interesting, when you when your trouble, when your thought starts troubling you, that usually is a sign that you've got a virus, <laughs> flu, cold, and the rest of it. What is the divine injunction? <laughs> Make the recitation of the Quran incumbent, recite the Quran. Is the ailment of the throat a spiritual ailment? No. <laughs> It's a physical element. So the Prophet was telling you, Shafa is also physically in the Quran as well. Consider also the words of Sayyidina Ali. There are five things that cure forgetfulness, improve memory, and get rid of mucus. The miswak, fasting, recitation of the Quran, honey and milk. This is in the Lami in his Musnad al Firdos number 2980. So, what did Sayyidina Ali say? He said, These five things, they cure forgetfulness. They improve your memory and they get rid of mucus, which is interesting. When you get after the virus, you end up with a lot of mucus. What is one of the things that does all that? Miswak. So oral hygiene has that impact. I don't know whether they've discovered this, but they're discovering things with regards to the heart. If you have good oral hygiene, it has a very good impact upon your heart. But the hadith mentions it also very good for your memory. Uh, secondly, Fasting. <laughs> Fasting is a cure for these. Allah Akbar. Thirdly, the Quran. Reciting the Quran, honey and milk. So note again, the, uh, the companions are mentioning this as well. Similarly, the recital of the Quran benefits others, not just the one reciting. Sayyidina Talha ibn Masraf, he said, they would say when the Quran is recited near a patient, he would feel better. When I went to Khaythama to inquire about his well-being, I informed him upon seeing him that I found him better. He replied, Quran. Why are you surprised? The Quran was recited near me. This is due to the blessings of the Quran. This is in Behaki in Shu'ab al-Iman, 2579. So this person was ill. A Sahaba went to see him. He's almost fully recovered. He goes, what, what was it? What did he say? 
Why are you surprised? The Quran was recited near me. I wasn't reciting it. Somebody else was reciting it. Now, what's interesting about this? Was that man or woman? <laughs> was that man or woman reciting it for shafa for that person? You get the indication it wasn't. They were just reciting it, but he was overhearing it, and it had a profound impact upon his physical health. Now, what's interesting, the people who don't listen to the Qur'an, they're prone to get ill very quickly. You notice this. This guy's always ill. This guy's always ill. He goes, what about the Qur'an? And the guy looks, what's Qur'an going to do with it? The one who listens to the Qur'an, he is shielded from this. This is one of the great blessings. Those what an excellent deed to perform when visiting the ailing, whether they are conscious or not. When you go to visit the ill, beside the Qur'an. People ask strange questions. What shall I recite? Is any part of the Quran? And he goes, any part? Yes. The whole Quran is Shifa. Sayyidah Aisha radiyallahu the hadith is in Ibn Majah, authentic hadith. Sorry, Ibn Hiban, authentic hadith. And a woman was teaching Aisha uh, an incantation, a dham. So the Prophet enters Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. What are you teaching Aisha? And she said, she's teaching me an incantation. The Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, Recite the Quran. It is a cure. So the Prophet didn't restrict what part of the Quran. Because the Quran cures. Right? But, yes, there are certain parts of the Quran that are specifically mentioned with regards to cure. But even if you don't know that, any part of the Quran. Because strange. You can take verses of the Quran which refer to jihad. They've got shafa in it. You can take verses of the Quran referring to divorce. They got Shifa in it. How strange is that? But should we find this strange? No. Because it's the words of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The one who created you. Do you think his words are not going to have an impact upon you? Sayyidah Aisha also, and this is the report. In Ibn Hiban, Shaykh al-Bani rahmatullahi authenticated in As-Sahiha, number 1931, our beloved mother Aisha said, Rasulullah once came into my dwelling and saw another woman who was treating me with Rukya, a lawful incantation. He said, treat her with the book of Allah. Mm. So look how interesting. There's nothing wrong with Rukya. Mm. But the Prophet, what was his response? Treat her with the Quran. Mm. In other words, don't do Rukya. Why? Because the Quran is superior, far superior. Mm. So like I mentioned, certain parts of the Quran have a greater impact than others. And people are so foolish, they don't even realize that the most famous cures you've already got. In Darimi in his Sunan, number 9380, Mishkat number 2169, Sayyidina Aifa ibn Abdul Kalamiyyeh, he relates, A man asked, Ya Rasulullah, which surah of the Quran is the greatest? He said, Qul huwallahu ahad. The man then asked, Which verse, O Prophet of Allah, would you look to Prophet you and your nation? He responded, Khatimatu Surah Al-Baqarah. The concluding portion of Surah Al-Baqarah. فَإِنَّهَا مِنْ خَذَا إِنِي رَحْمَةِ اللَّهِ تَعَالَى مِنْ تَحْدِ عَرْشِهِ Indeed, it is one of the treasures of the mercy of Allah from under His throne. أَعْتَاهَا هَذِهِ الْأُمَّةَ لَمْ تَتْلُقَا خَيْرًا مِنْ خَيْرِ الدُّنْيَا وَالْآخِرَةِ 
he graciously gave it to this ummah and indeed it has not left out any good of the good things of this world or the next world illa shtamalat alayh it contains all of them so let's look at this so in this report ashab asked two questions the first question he asked he goes ayyu ayyu surat alquran az which surat of the quran is the greatest is the most immense and the prophet did not say fatiha which is interesting he said qul huwallahu ahad so according to this hadith this is the greatest surat the most immense surat is surat ikhlas then he asked which verse not a surat which verse would you love to profit you and your nation i think about it he's asking the master tafsir authority <laughs> the living quran so what a question to ask this is the question you ask <laughs> which verse do you love to profit you and your ummah the most which verse the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam said khatimatu surah al-baqarah the last part of surah baqarah then he explained sallallahu alaihi wasallam it is one of the treasures of the mercy of allah from <coughs> under his throne so there's a treasure under the treasures under the arsh and these treasures are from the rahma the mercy of allah he gave it to this ummah it has not left out lam tatruka khairan min khair ad-dunya wal akhirah it has not left out any good of the good of the world and the next illa shtamalat ali it contains all of them so the prophet didn't just say it's a good thing for cure it's a good thing for monetary problems it's a good thing for family problems it's a good things we your iman is weak it's a good thing for the grave he goes everything everything of this world and the next he goes it contains is left nothing out so the concluding part of bakara will come back to the but now isn't there a contradiction with fatiha Sheikh Nawab Muhammad Qutbuddin Khan Dehlawi in his Mazari-e-Haq number 2169 he explained Surah Al-Fatiha was called the greatest surah there is no contradiction it is the greatest surah in the sense it comprises praise of Allah and dua it is also a synopsis of the Quran however Surah Al-Ikhlas is the greatest in the sense it describes the unity of allah in a great manner very eloquently the last portion of baqarah means the last two verses said the sheikh so there's no contradiction the greatest surah of the quran the prophet did say that about fatiha authentic hadith but if you look at fatiha is it only talking about allah subhanahu wa ta'ala no there's praise of our lord and then there's dua and then there's other things surah al-ikhlas does it talk about paradise no does it talk about day of judgment no does it talk about the grave no does it talk about dunya no does it talk about akhirat no what does it talk about allah subhanahu wa ta'ala nothing else and this is why hasan al-basri said it's called surah al-ikhlas because there is absolute sincerity in it you're not talking about anything else this is why the sahaba loved that surah So when the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam said here the greatest the most immense surah is surah al-ikhlas he's talking about when he describes Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala 
But when he mentions Surah Fatiha is the greatest Surah, he's saying it is the greatest in Dua, it is the greatest in the sense of explaining the entire Quran. There's no contradiction. It's how the Prophet interpreted that statement. So what if you combine it? <laughs> People don't realize Surah Fatiha is the last the whole time. Because, dear, do you appreciate it? No, I want to read it because it's quick. The last two verses of Baqarah, how immense are they? Sa'id ibn Mansur in his Sunan Al-Itqan, volume 1, page 83, Ad-Dahaq, Rahmatullah, he said, when Jibreel brought the final verses of Surah Baqarah, he was accompanied by too many angels beyond number. So when the last verses, that special mercy, that treasure came from under the Arsh, it wasn't just Jibreel. Think about it, you know, it's Quran. There was too many angels, lost count. Now what's interesting, who narrated this? Ad-Dahaq. Ad-Dahaq means the one who laughs. That's his name. So why on earth is a man called the, the laughing one? Ad-Dahaq. Because he was born with teeth. He was in his mother's womb for two years. Ad-Dahaq. Right? So, very interesting personalities. We just wanted to mention that. Okay, you know, can you hear names in it? Your blogs narrates, right? So, Ad-Dahaq. And this also shows that the law decrease when the child is... Well, imagine a child born with teeth. What confused me was, what does he suck it because he's got teeth? Does he go straight to eating? Allah Allah. And to finish a hadith, in Tirmidhi number 2891, Hassan Gharib Ahmad in his Musnad 4-274, Tabarani, Darimi number 3253, Hakim Sahih, Mishkat number 2145, Al-Haytami in Majma Az-Zawaid 6-312, states Sahih. Shaykh Al-Bani also authenticates it in Sahih Al-Jami number 1799. Nu'man ibn Bashir, he relates that our beloved Messenger said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, 2,000 years, before the creation of the heavens and the earth, Allah the Almighty inscribed the book. In another report, this was kept near the Arsh. And from it, he sent down two verses with which he concluded Surah Al-Baqarah. Indeed, shaitan will not come near a house in which these two verses are recited for three consecutive nights. So let's look at this. So is it authentic? Yes. Imam Tirmidhi, Imam Ahmad, Tabarani said it's, it's an authentic report. So was what was in what was existing before the heavens and the earth, or before the big bank, you know, using scientific jargon. The Prophet told you something. Two thousand years before the creation of the heavens and the earth, Allah Ta'ala had written something in a book and it was kept under the arsh. Meaning this is ancient. And from it what he had written in that book 2,000 years before the creation of the heavens and the earth, he took out two verses with which he concluded Baqarah, meaning he put them there. Then the Prophet mentions something amazing about these last two verses. Shaitan does not come near a house in which these two verses are recited for three consecutive nights. He didn't say he enters because he can't even come near it. It burns him. So if you recite the last two verses in your dwelling for three consecutive nights, there's no shaitan that can come near you. In fact, there's another report which mentions if you recite it in a forest full of shayateen, they will all flee. 
So I think about that. You know, he went to open up some crackpots. I don't know what they're doing. <laughs> some youngsters went into, you know, what do you call it? Uh, Sherwood Forest, middle of the night, and got possessed, mashallah. So if you're going to do that, read the last two verses of Surah Baqarah. And even if it's infested with shayateen, they all flee. That is one part of the blessing of these two verses. Why? Because the Prophet said, all goodness. Go back to the because everything it contains all goodness. But he specifically mentioned that because this may be a problem for many of us. So note all these gifts we've been given by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In Bukhari and Muslim, the Prophet said, whoever decides the last two verses, they are sufficient for him at night. Imam Nawawi, he went in to explain what did the Prophet mean when he said they are sufficient. And he basically went through a full list. And if you summarize the list, it means they are sufficient for everything. You're in debt, it's sufficient. You're ill, it's sufficient. You've got this problem, it's sufficient. The Prophet, that's why he left it like that. It is sufficient. The last two verses of Bakr. And what's interesting about Bakr, the Prophet said in Tirmadhi, Hassan Sahih, Bakr is the peak of the Quran. What has Allah placed in the peak? He's placed his greatest verse, Ayatul Kursi. Could have placed it anywhere. Why has he placed it in Bakr? It's the peak. Where has he placed the last two verses, which he will give everything for? Bakr. Look how interesting. It's all in Bakr. And the, the beauty of it is immense. And what's fascinating is it, it comes straight after Surah Fatiha. That's very interesting. The greatest surah of the Quran, followed by the peak of the Quran. Allah Ta'ala has done this sequence to highlight the greatness of the Quran so you can understand the treasures He's giving you. You know, subhanAllah. So all I mentioned today was again talking about the glorious Quran. And note, whatever angle you look at the glorious book, it is nothing but an immense mercy from Almighty Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. Are there any questions you want to ask?